It's time for a study break. That's going to sound awful. Welcome to Ono Lit Class Study Break, your 15-ish or so minutes of lit-adjacent content and bonusness. I'm going to figure this out one day, probably. I'm Megan. I'm RJ. And today, we are going to be talking about one of my biggest kind of English major snob pet peeves. And I totally recognize that it's a snobby thing, and it's pedantic, and, and means that I'm cranky, but uh, that, it's, it's still there. It's still a thing. And that thing is wildly miscontextualized quotes, like people that take quotes from literature and that it's just been passed around so many times and interneted. And I mean, you've heard me complain about it before, put on a background with like a shooting star tattooed on someone, and it's like, no, that's not what that means, though, which is very much an old man yells at cloud thing but I, I can't help it it bothers me so much darjay i don't know i'm assuming you don't have particularly strong feelings on this everybody's right literature means nothing we're the ones who ascribe meaning to it well if literature doesn't mean anything by that extension nothing means anything and if nothing means anything why the fuck do we do anything welcome to 2018 I can't sit here and debate existentialism with you because i will have to go lie down and like cry for a while Quitter. My insurance does not cover existential angst and ennui, so. Or does it? It does. <laughs> hmm. Does it? What is insurance? I don't know. I know you don't know. No, I really don't. <sighs> uh, so the the biggest offender in, in this case is one that I know I've mentioned on the show before, and that is Shakespeare. Well, Shakespeare's not the offender. Well, Shakespeare's the offendee, I guess. He's the person. <laughs> hey, who you're all over the place. See, you know, you agree. Words don't mean anything. Shakespeare's a bumblebee. Shakespeare's a funny bumblebee. Yeah. Yeah, just buzzing along. You're being wrong. Or are you being right? <laughs> yeah, actually, <laughs> you're telling me I'm being wrong. I thought no one's wrong. I thought everybody's right. I thought nothing means anything. Well, I said it, or you're right. Fuck you. Now, see, as a community, we've all agreed that certain words do have certain meanings. An offender would seem to be incorrect here. It's true. Ascribing that to Big Willie Shakespeare. I wish you would ascribe... A different word to him. You're not even pronouncing the word right. <laughs> Ascribe. Abscribe. Yeah, I abscribe. Right after my crunches. <laughs> Why I'm ripped. So I know we talked on our Hamlet episode about Polonius. He's an idiot. He's a pompous blowhard. And, you know, the, as the, the audience or the reader or what have you, it's pretty clear. This is not a man you take seriously. But you get these quotes that are divorced of their context and you don't get the irony and the sarcasm that's supposed to go with them, which is why you have people being like, oh, yes, brevity is the soul of wit. And it's like, yes, that's being said by a windbag who can't stop talking or... To thine own self be true, which again is said by a guy who's telling his son all of these different ways that he needs to act in order to like get people to like him and they're all contradictory and weird. It's like, but after all of this, just be true to yourself. Like it's meant to be sarcastic. And when people don't have the meaning attached to it, then it's just like, now it's inspirational. 
Unless you know the context, and then you just get annoyed. And you can't do anything about it. Because you sound like an asshole if you're going to debate people on the internet about that. Not that that stops people. Ponius is the man. Yeah. Yep. Maybe he's just smarter than you give him credit for. You saw it performed. Doesn't mean they're doing it right. <laughs> they had Oscar Isaac in their underwear. They were doing everything right. From Hamlet's point of view, he doesn't like Polonius. Now, if I get the Hamlet story from, I don't know, Ophelia's point of view, Polonius, genius. No, we're not necessarily getting it from Hamlet's point of view. We're outside observers. We still see Hamlet and recognize that he's doing dumb shit. Like, it's very easy to point out the ways that Hamlet is a dumbass as well. It's called Hamlet. Because he's the main character. His point of view. No, but it's not. He's not He's not the unreliable narrator because he's not narrating. This isn't a fucking Rashomon shit. Somebody wrote it. Shakespeare! He wasn't there. Oh, gosh. Yeah, you got one? You got an example you want to tell us about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should I share it now? Yes. Beauty is truth. Truth. Beauty. That's it? I shared it. <laughs> it's familiar, but I feel like there's more of it, and also I don't recognize what it's from. Oh, uh, that would be John Keats. Ah. Ode to a Grecian urn. And that's why I know it. What do you think it means, Meg? I mean, um, see, part of the problem is, is I'm not just pulling it from thin air. I'm trying to remember reading the Ode to a Grecian urn. I'm pretty sure it's him saying that there's beauty in the truth of things. But I have not read that poem in like a hot eight or nine years, so... Well, you'd be wrong. Okay, enlighten me. You see, the actual line is said, air quotes, by the Grecian urn itself. Right. Talk about how beautiful it is and how... Because it's so beautiful, it's so truthful. It just is what it is. What is lost in that small part of the dialogue is that what the greater poem's talking about and pointing about is that it's about an urn inside of a citadel on a hill in a town and the only reason the town exists or the citadel exists or the fact the urn is in the citadel in the town on a hill is because there was a lot of violence to get it there and yeah it's beautiful now but it kind of ignores all the violence that it took to get there a lot of stuff that might not be so beautiful it's ignoring the truth potentially there is no truth it's ignoring nothing get everything yeah, gosh, it's been a while since I read that. John Keats is great. He's very sad and very full of feelings and very dead from tuberculosis. Aren't they all? At a very young age. It's very. He's a very tragic poet boy. Could be worse. Could have been syphilis. It's very true. All right, time for a mini episode of Finance with RJ. These are 15 minutes long. We don't have time for this. It's coming off the top of my head. Okay. This episode of this very mini episode, <laughs> this very limited episode of Finance with RJ is brought to you by the King James Bible. What? Now, you might have heard the saying before, money is the root of all evil. Yeah, I, I guess. The problem is I, I know the actual proper one of that, which is that the love for money is the root of all that evil. That is right. See, here at Finance with RJ, we know money can't possibly be evil, and either the Bible's wrong, or as it turns out, people been quoting the bible wrong for all these years what people misquote the bible no and what's weird is it's also quoted correctly in the canterbury tales so people are ignoring the bible and the canterbury tales well, a lot of people ignore the canterbury tales because as megan pointed out the actual quote is the love of money is the root of all evil basically greed is bad and we hear but at, gordon gecko told me the opposite <laughs> that lizard man knows nothing <laughs> You know, money's the thing. Money can't be evil. It's, it's just an object. 
It's what people ascribe to it. And, you know, shortening the quote from love of money is the root of all evil to money is the root of all evil takes away any culpability or responsibility on behalf of people. It's just like, oh, money's evil. So this wraps up this very mini episode of Finance with RJ. Remember, love yourself. Love the feeling of money in your pocket. But don't be greedy. Share it with your future self, too. Of course. Bye. No, you're still here. Oh. <laughs> what One that drives me crazy is, of course, another Shakespeare one. And that is the go-to tattoo for short, spunky girls who have never actually read A Midsummer Night's Dream. And that's, and though she be but little, she is fierce. <laughs> Stunning commentary, as always. Beautiful. So, like, I don't want to hate on girls, or, or anyone, for that matter, getting tattoos of stuff they like, and if it makes them feel good, then, like, whatever, but the context of that quote, it's in A Midsummer Night's Dream, and the character who says it, Helena, is talking, and she's saying it about Hermia, who she is having a magical flower-induced bitch fight with, because they both currently want the same dude's dick. She's saying, watch out, she's short, but she'll she'll get you. She's got them grabby little raccoon hands. Not like uh, an awe sort of statement of like, though she is small, she is full of power and might. It's like, nah, she's a tiny angry little bitch, which to be fair, might also appeal to some people, which, you know, that's fine. It's just, it has that vibe of, this, you know, just in that moment we were infinite bullshit. And it's like, no, it's something catty that one woman yells at another because they want to fuck the same dude. And I just need to say that. All right. It's out of my system. Very good. It's good to work through stuff. It is. Now, you might have heard the lines before. Two roads diverged in a wood. And I, I took the one less traveled. Because you wanted to beat the crowds back to the parking lot. Maybe. Hipsters love this quote. Some may even get it tattooed on themselves in some way or the other. It is true. That, that's up there with like, not all who wander are lost, which is a Tolkien quote, and we could get into that another day too. Anyway, people kind of ignore the whole eh, first 80% of the poem when they look at this last couple lines of the poem here. Nah, but the last lines are the sexy ones. Because what Frost mentions up until those lines is how there's two roads which are almost equally traveled, both look pretty good, and he actually skips the first one he comes across, he goes to the other one, and then he kind of regrets he didn't take the other one the whole time. And really what he's saying in these last few lines is it made all the difference because now he's wondering what he missed on that other road. And now, with a sigh, he'll look back on this day going, man, what would have happened if I got the soup? If I got the soup? I tried to say soup and salad all at once. You did. You tried to make it one word, one sort of horrible, wet salad meal. <laughs> Basically, what this poem's about is a man going to a restaurant, unsure, should I get soup or salad, picks one randomly, and then the rest of his life is always wondering, what if I got the soup and or the salad or both? So it's not even like, oh, I took the road less traveled. I carved my own path. It's, well, there were two paths. This one had slightly less footprints on it. I took that one and I was like, fuck, what was on that other path, though? So it just, it made all the difference in that it haunts him. Right, it made all the difference and now he'll never go down that other path. So it's like the end of La La Land. I suppose. <laughs> don't know where that came from. I don't know either. Well, no, they think of what could have been at the end, but they went down a different path and they aren't together. Maybe in your reading. <laughs> yeah. Did you go and write a fan fiction? Ooh.
Did you go right at a, a City of Stars AU? That's the name of the song. I couldn't remember. <laughs> City of Stars, are you shining just for me? Wow, you pulled that out. <laughs> Line. <laughs> City of Stars. <laughs> City of Stars. I don't. I don't fucking know. I don't fucking know. La La Land is a mediocre film. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Hater. Yeah, kind of. All right, my next one is is finally not uh, a Shakespeare one. It's even older. Older uh, than the Bible, though. I got you beat. Uh, Roman poets. Yeah, I guess it's not as old as the Bible. I don't know. I don't know much about the Roman poet Juvenal and when he lived. If it was the BC, probably not. Um, I I'm dumb and I don't know things. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, well, I beat you to it. So tell me about this Roman poetry, Meg. I hear the Romans had a lot of gay sex. Is this true? From what I know, yeah. They, I mean, they had a lot of just sex in general. Wow. Uh, just all, all kinds. The quote is, who will watch the Watchmen? And that is attributed to... A juvenile, I'm told. Uh, yes. How old was he? Well, <laughs> his, his name was Juvenile. Yeah, uh, I don't know if maybe sounds like a rapper to ju- me, juven- man. Yeah, I don't know if he was juvenile in nature. I don't know much about Roman poets. This line has been used in lectures by fucking Nobel laureates and news articles and think pieces and all this shit about like, well, hmm, how do we keep checks on power and who's going to be keeping checks on the people keeping checks on power? And of course, it was you know kind of the the big main theme of the Alan Moore's seminal graphic novel Watchmen which we both wrote the thesis theses on because we're fucking nerds. But here's the thing. It doesn't actually have anything to do with government or checks and balances or sad superheroes who can't get a boner unless they're wearing their costume. Yeah, that's the one you identify with. No, I don't. Night Owl? I don't identify with any of them. I think they're all... Like, fuckers. You you identify with the naked blue man. It reminds me of me. <laughs> I've been abscribing. I was going to say abstracting, but... You're, do, you're doing all kinds of shit. Me and John abscribe. Yeah. We abscribe together. I hold his feet, he holds mine. Gross. And while he holds my feet, he also holds my hands. He also tickles me. He also strokes my hair. He has a lot of hands. Well, I'm glad he can keep you happy. So, it's not about any of that. Uh, well, it might be more about what you're saying. So, the the quote is from Juvenal's satire. Oh, God. If it's a V and an I, that's a six, right? Well, it's Rocky 3 <laughs> plus Rocky 2 plus Rocky 1. Yes. Okay. That's six. So, Juvenal's satire, six. And so, it's it's a satire. It's It's supposed to be something goofy and funny which is probably where juve the word juvenile ended up being rooted in because i know he wrote a lot of these you know we could we could fact check that one at a later date so it's an essay from juvenile to his friend posthumous not posthumous with like the h or it means like after you're dead just like posthumous and it was like a, a joke meant to convince him not to get married it's like a weird bro roast because like women are all horrible cheating sluts so that's fun it's just like a weird misogynistic bro rant like i said and so he's just like yeah man you'd be better like 
killing yourself or just get a nice boy. Like those are the two options he presents instead of getting married. Kill yourself or just get a nice boy. But he says, you know, okay, well, look, I know that you think you figured out a way around this, that you can bolt her in and constrain her, but who can watch the Watchmen? They keep quiet about the girl's secrets and get her as their payment. Everyone hushes it up. So it was, yeah, I guess you can try to keep your wife locked in the shed, but who's gonna watch the guys watching her? She'd go fuck them, and then they're not gonna say anything because she's fucking them. So that sucks. You gotta do, and I guess people figure it out later on. You cut their balls off, make eunuchs out of them, and it's all good. You don't gotta watch them. There you go. Practical advice. I wonder if Posthumus told Juvenile that, where it's like, bro, this doesn't work, you know. In 2018, just go get a chastity belt. Keep that shit under lock and key, bro. Who watches the guy who keeps the key to the chastity belt? Well, according to the Robin Hood men in tights, nobody. And then it's just locked forever. Yeah, they have to fetch a locksmith. So yeah, it's not like this whole sort of thing of like, watch out for the government or Big Brother or whatever, whatever fucking New York Times online article is using it. So next time you see it there, just remember, it's about chaining women up because you can't trust them to not go and fuck things a plus and you can't trust them not to fuck the guy watching them exactly now you, you can't you, you can't trust nobody you just you may as well just kill yourself or just go fuck a nice boy you can trust men sometimes <laughs> oh yeah apparently you can't trust men if they're supposed to be watching your woman because they're gonna fuck her you can't trust men around women trust them around other men God, fuck the Romans, man. Yeah, that's what they did. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's true. Isn't it great that we've come so far I've as a culture a and a society? When am I not coming? Pretty much never. Yeah. It's it's very weird, and I think you should see a doctor about it. Anyway, as we're wrapping up here, yeah, I'll leave us all with one more. You see, after all, tomorrow is another day. Tomorrow tomorrow i love you tomorrow now, that's a different thing you see it's only a day away so after all tomorrow is another day is from gone with the wind written by margaret mitchell performed by scarlett o'hara a character it isn't performed by that's not how books work she performed well that probably more people have seen the movie than read the book well then it wasn't performed by scarlett o'hara it was performed by the actress playing scarlett o'hara you dipshit <laughs> who is that i don't know i've never seen gone with the wind <laughs> it was performed by oh vivian lee okay yeah sure you could have fooled me i thought the actress's name was scarlett o'hara are you fucking kidding me i never read it or seen it it's on our DVR. Yeah, I know it's on our DVR. I haven't read it or seen it either, and I knew that. Anyway, Megan and I, we've uh, walked by Margaret Mitchell's house many times in Atlanta. Hot tip, if you're ever in Atlanta, do it. Now, do, do what? Walk by Margaret Mitchell's house? Look at it in passing and go, oh, so Lady Rock got out the wind. That's her house. All right. Let's sure. go Let's go eat a bunch of barbecue. <laughs> More importantly, go to Atlanta. Anyway, most people seem to take this quote and this line to mean, well, today was a shitty day. There's tomorrow. It'll be better, because it's basically a fresh start. But actually, in context of the Gone with the Wind, and when the line is delivered by the character, Scarlet O'Hara. There you go. What Scarlet's referring to is, well, I didn't win the man over today. Tomorrow's just another day for me to do the exact same thing, and if that doesn't work, well, then there's another tomorrow, and another tomorrow, to try to do the same thing again and again and again. Basically, she's saying, life is like Groundhog Day. 
You're just beating your head against the wall every day. That sounds fucking awful. I don't know if I want to go watch Gone with the Wind now. And that's how people completely reverse the meaning of that line. We get these tiny chunks that are divorced from what they actually are. And then, you know, they get them tattooed on themselves. Just like you. No, I, okay, I do have a, a poetry stanza tattooed on me, but I know the context and I know where it comes from and I know what it means. I didn't just find it on the internet and thought it sounded neat. Now, if I saw someone... Someone's rather defensive. No, I I believe thou dost protest too much. Look, if I saw a girl and she had a, a fucking, be she's small, she's fierce or whatever tattoo, like, I'm not gonna say anything. I'm not gonna walk up to her and be like, do you get where that comes from? That it's about two girls bitching at each other over penis? Because I'm not a, an asshole. It just bugged me. I had to get off my chest. And now you know. And you may, maybe you learned a thing too. And that's what these study breaks are all about. So that'll about do it for us. Until the next time that we do this i'm megan i'm rj and we love you our, our lovely patrons you're you're the best bye it's time for a train a train and today we are going to talk about one of the the things that just drives me kind of is that another fucking train